Welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family. And we are so delighted that you have welcomed us into Amen. your home. You know, we would love to hear from you. So today we're taking your questions and your comments. If you're watching, it's Monday, and we are here very alive at 1-800-GIVE-US-A-JINGLE at 1-800-221-9460. If you are calling and you are outside North America, you can reach us at 205-271-2980. And you can always send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at ewtn.com and check us out on Facebook. So the question for today's show is this. If you have been involved in pro-life activity or prayer groups this year, how and why did you choose to participate? And so we know that EWN has given you the greatest coverage, right? EWTN has given us the greatest coverage that you will ever see par excellence on pro-life. All of our crews that went to Washington, D.C., and to California and San Francisco, and also One Life LA coverage. But then not only that, all of the interviews, all of the people that they brought to you, um, so that you could learn about all of the other ministries that were going on. Now, yes, it's so wonderful when the sea of humanity gets together and everyone converges right on one spot and everyone's there and you think, I'm not alone. There are people whose hearts resonate for this beautiful movement that God is doing. Um, but there's great work to be done. Yeah. It's not over. Yeah. Roe versus Wade fell June 22nd. That really did happen in 2022. But there are still battles <coughs> to be won. And we still continue to need to be, especially this day on January 22nd, where the USCCB has called all of us to be a people of prayer for the protection of the unborn, for the protection. And then also, we want to say to men and women who are out there and you are post-abortive, and maybe you have never confessed that, or maybe you've never done anything to heal that wound in your soul. We encourage you to go to a pregnancy resource center that is near you in your state. Go to rachelsvineyard.org. Go to optionline.org. Reach out, get help, be healed, and be made whole because God is extravagant with his mm. mercy and grace to you and to me. Joy, you mentioned the March for Life and One Life LA and uh, the walk in California, mm -hmm. West Coast. But a lot of us did things locally in our own community, and this needs to happen more and more since the balance of power has shifted from the federal courts to the local courts, that we need to keep pro-life right in front of people. And so we had a time here in Birmingham, Alabama, which we've mm -hmm. done for years, we had a Respect Life Mass. Yeah. It's a cathedral led by Bishop Reka. Place was packed out. And then we went to Planned Parenthood a little later on in the morning, mm -hmm. uh, killing center there that's no longer doing abortions, but is you know recommending to people different places to go, doing other things uh, that are, are in the culture of death domain. Uh, but but it, the importance of locally gathering together, even if it's 25 people, 50 people, 100 people. So we gathered out in front of Planned Parenthood to lament the killing of hundreds of thousands in the state of Alabama over mm -hmm. the years for 65 and a half million 
uh, in the United States of America, approximately, for tens of millions throughout the world. So many young people, the Knights of Columbus were fantastic at the Respect Life Mass, as well as being there. And uh, the work has not ended. The work just continues to go on. And even in states that are very pro-life, we see mm -hmm. these constitutional amendments being passed, and it gets to abortion on demand. Places like Ohio, Michigan, and we don't want that to happen in the state of Alabama. So the question for today is if you've been involved in pro-life activity and prayer uh, in your local community or nationwide, we want to hear about that. Did you go to the Walk for Life? Did you go to the March for Life? But also, if you watch the coverage of EWTN, what struck you about it? Was there a particular ministry? Uh, was, was a testimony by someone? Give us a call. We want to hear from you, and we hope that you're encouraged. And we give thanks for EWTN keeping the pro-life movement in sight and in mind. 1-800-221-9460 or 205-271-2980. Give us a call now. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Don't go away. back. Well, remember that we're taking your questions and your comments on our show today. So give us a jingle at 1-800-221-9460 outside North America, 205-271-2980. And you can always send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at ewtn.com and check us out on Facebook. So I encourage you to be praying on this day where the USCCB has called the Catholic Church to be praying for the protection of the unborn, right? Because there's a war on the unborn. The unborn are unwanted. And we say that um, every pregnancy is a wanted pregnancy and the, the pro-abortion industry is moving out in full force today to make abortion, they want it to be legal. They want this to come into every state. And so there are legal implications that they're working on right now in the states for that to be overturned. So if you have been involved in pro-life activity or prayer groups this year, how and why did you choose to participate? Yeah, and if you participated in the March for Life, Walk for Life, and then beyond that, did you watch EW10's coverage of those events and also um, just what was happening in your own local community. So just give us a call. We have on the phone Michael New. Michael is an assistant professor of social research at the Bush School of Business, the Catholic University of America, and a dear friend of EWTN. Michael, are you there? Yes, I am. It's always great to have you on, brother. We're so glad to have you. And um, you know, I was following you on, on Facebook, and I saw that the week before the March for Life, uh, it looked like you were going to some abortion centers. You were inviting people to join you there to pray and, and maybe to do some sidewalk counseling. I thought that was fantastic. So you're not just a professor, you are an activist. And then I think you also participated in the March for Life. And you are, in my mind, one of the foremost people as regards the law and what's happening pro-life state by state. So just your thoughts on this year, how it's the same, how it's different, and, and what you were doing, and any words you have for us. Uh, the March for Life went terrific this year. Uh, it was lively. It was enthusiastic. 
many schools came. Uh, I saw pilgrim groups from Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin, Kansas, Ohio. Uh, many uh, religious orders uh, were present. Uh, the fact that uh, Jim Harbaugh, who coached the Michigan yeah. Wolverines in the national title, was a speaker, was a surprise, yeah. but a great speaker, gave us some good words of inspiration. But it's always a happy day. You know, it's a very joyous day. Uh, it was, you know, crowded. I thought more people came this year than last year. Uh, it was cold. It did snow a bit, but I like the kind of snowy backdrop. Uh, one thing we're doing a little bit differently is instead of going to the Supreme Court, we're actually going to the U.S. Capitol. You know, we want to emphasize, we want Congress to take action and pass good, strong pro-life laws to protect pre-born children. So that was something a little bit different. Uh, but many things are the same in the sense that many students, uh, many seminarians, many religious orders, lively, enthusiastic, people are optimistic. And I think everyone's motivated, energized to go home and build a culture of life. Yeah. Amen. Michael, can you share with us, you just mentioned uh, going to the Capitol, hoping Congress might do something there in terms of legislation. And uh, explain that to us because, you know, we've heard that everything is going back to the states, everything happens at the states, but now you're bringing it back, you know, to the Congress possibly as well. Uh, is there any appeal that could be made to the Supreme Court in terms of a human life amendment? Just your thoughts on that and where you see things, where there are discussions about this at this year's march. Well, the states are certainly important. You know, we have ballot propositions. We might have... Uh, about propositions involving abortion in as many as 12 states, but the federal government can still do things. With reversal of Roe, uh, the federal government can certainly uh, pass legislation to protect pre-born children, and that's what pro-lifers would like. Obviously, with President Biden in the White House, that's probably not going to happen, but we still need to make that case. Yes. You know, if we do elect the pro-life president in 2024, that does open some possibilities for us. So, uh, and even without, uh, you know, passing laws to limit abortion, there are certain things we need to do at the federal level. Uh, we need to pass the Hyde Amendment uh, that prevents uh, taxpayer dollars from funding electoral abortion through the Medicaid program. So. The federal government is so important to us, you know, and we, even though we may not get a federal law passed this year, we need to build for that in the future. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much for this report and for your years of work on behalf of life. We surely appreciate you. God bless you, brother. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. God bless. Well, you know, Michael shared some very important things, and we here in Alabama, we live in a life state. Well, we run a pregnancy medical center, and guess what? I'm seeing girls who are going out of state to go and get the abortion pill. Right now, at her choice, we are working with a client who is going through the abortion pill reversal, mm -hmm. meaning she took the first pill, she regretted that, and so we're working with her with the OBGYN where <coughs> she's getting a very natural hormone, progesterone, so yeah. that pregnancy could be sustained. Yeah. And so far, so good. Also, in the state of Alabama. See, we, we can go to the national marches and they're great and wonderful, and, but then you have to come back home. And 365 days out of the year, that's where the pregnancy medical centers are working. And they're seeing clients on a one-to-one -one basis. And so, and also we need to know that girls in Alabama or in any state are getting pills, the chemical from abortion India, yeah. pill from India and they're calling them the just-in-case pills. So they're 
stocking their medicine cabinets with them just in case they miss their cycle and then they'll go and start this. So the war is still on. We cannot relax. There are still broken women and young men out there who are believing the lie that abortion is going to solve a problem and all it does is create a whole nother set of problems. And the wreckage that we see and that pregnancy medical see on a daily basis from the lie that abortion is good and it's women's health care, all of that is a lie from the pit of hell. And we have to reverse all of that. You, know, you mentioned you know, there's a war on the preborn, on the unborn, the most unwanted people group upon the face of the earth, breaks my heart to say, but it's true. But there's a war on women. Right. I mean, how are women taking the abortion pill, which you can only take up to like eight weeks, mm -hmm. the impact of that on a woman's makeup is incredible without talking to a doctor, without right. seeing anyone. Without even having an ultrasound. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's actually a war on them. And we're right. seeing the fallout of this, the maiming and, and the hurting of, of women as well as the baby. So it's, it's just horrendous. Mary Beth Yeager is on the phone here. Mary Beth, your thoughts on uh, this time of year, the day of prayer uh, for the legal protection of the unborn and your own participation in prayer and action. Mary Beth? Jim and Joy, yes. I really enjoyed participating in the Birmingham rally and Mask for Life. It was really neat to see so many young people there and to see them not only supporting unborn life, but supporting the mothers who are pregnant yes. out of wedlock or um, are pregnant and they're in a low-income state, you know? Right. And there was a huge turnout of young people. I think there's, there's a, been a shift in our generation. They're seeing like a culture of death and they don't want a part of it anymore. So I think the young people right now in Birmingham are, without a doubt, changing who they're, who they're encountering, you know? Yes. Well, this, this truth of the fundamental right to human existence and to life, as John Paul II said, is written upon the heart of every human being. Mm, absolutely. And that includes, in a special way, our young people. So you're finding that young people, when they're hearing the message of the gospel of life, that they're really responding to it. They know inherently that this is a fundamental wrong, not a fundamental right to be able to abort your, your child, and they're coming on board. Absolutely. They're totally seeing that that message is written on the heart of every individual and that the Lord has written those individuals on the palm of his hand. And they are seeing that freedom. Yeah. And I think a lot of them have come from a place where they have not been free. Right. And they found the Lord and found that that inherent worth is there for them, and they want other people to experience that. Mary Beth, it's so well said, and I like how you said, they found the Lord. Because mm. it's not just you know, speaking about pro-life and this philosophy. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Absolutely. And when people really find him and young people embrace him and compare it to what's out in this culture of death and this throwaway culture, then they, they become pro-life because they found the Lord of life. Mary Beth, thank you so much. Thank Keep you. up your great work. Thank you. Joy? We have Bob from New Jersey on the phone. Bob, welcome to At Home with Jim and Joy. Your question or your comment? Bob, are you there? Yes, hello. Hey. Hi. Uh, am I on the air now? You're, yes. on, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm the Deputy Grand Knight of St. John's Council Knights of Columbus in Bergenfield, New Jersey. Uh, and our parish of St. John's and our local council for several years, probably going back 20 years, have been, uh, you know, sponsoring the bus 
ride to Washington, and we'd go with sometimes with two buses full. Yeah. And sadly, this year we had to cancel because we didn't have enough people. Mm. And this, I think there's two reasons for this. One is okay. the Knights of Columbus and our parish, the people that are active are getting old. You know, as a matter of fact, our, our pro-life champion, Matt Connell, he just passed away oh, this sorry. week. We're mourning him. He had created this large rosary that he made himself that we used to carry in the march, and everybody used to remark on our, on our rosary. Um, but I think that we have a problem that we're not doing a good enough job, and I blame myself and the whole generation, that we're not getting the younger parents, the younger adults, uh, more active and involved in this, as well as our children. So, you know, I, I pray for that. And I also think that, uh, you know, with all the things with the abortion pill and everything, it's become unfortunately so convenient. And it brings up another thing that we really have to struggle with, and that's passing on sexual morality, yes. you know, to our own kids and to our grandkids, yes. because it just seems to be taken for granted that yeah. people, you know, have relations yeah. without right. any commitment or anything like yeah. that. So I think we just need to pray for that, mm-hmm. and we need to do a better job, like I said, of getting the younger generation of adults, as well as our children and our grandchildren, yes. on board with the urgency, especially there's that false complacency that because we won the Dobbs case that it's over. It's really yeah. more of a struggle now on the local level. I think we really have to concentrate on yes. that. Right. That's a great Thank assessment. You. I want, want you to know, I hope you watch the show Wednesday and Thursday. We have Colleen Kelly Mast, one of the most foremost people really working with parents and with children, with dioceses, with parish, to impart to them the true meaning of love and she relates that to sexuality and to chastity and this training for parents to do this teaching in their own homes, to do it in the diocese, and it raises up generations. She has materials for young people and how parents can work with them from age 13 through the teenage years. So please watch our show Wednesday and Thursday. Thank you so much for the participation of those who called in and who are watching us today. All together, we will build a new culture of life, marriage, and the family. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Don't go away. Welcome back. Well, thank you for your, all your comments today. We always love to hear from you. Before we wrap up today's show, we're going to go to Rome to check in with beautiful Joan Lewis. Now, Joan, what's the latest news from Rome? Well, greetings, Jim and Joy, from my home to your home. As you know, Pope Francis presided at Mass in St. Peter's Basilica yesterday, Sunday, which is the Sunday of the Word of God. Now, this is a day that he instituted in 2019 as a pastoral initiative to help all of us understand the importance of prayer, of the Word of God in our lives, in our communities, and and certainly in the church. Now, what he emphasized yesterday was the immense power that the Word of God can unleash in people's lives. And he said, that Word draws us to God and then sends us to others, so it's a kind of an evangelization. And he said, while society and social media accentuate the violence of words, let us draw close to and cultivate the quiet 
Word of God, the, the Word that silences, that brings salvation, that is gentle, that does not make a heart hard, but rather opens us to the Lord. And of course, what was interesting, the Pope um, encouraged everyone to have the gospel at hand, maybe even in their pocket, but have it close at home, and to read even just a little bit every day. Now, to help the 5,000 faithful in the Basilica do this, copies were distributed of the Gospel of Mark. And by the way, during the liturgy, the Holy Father also conferred the ministries of lector and catechist on eight women and three men, and they were from South Korea, Chad, Jamaica, Brazil, Bolivia, Germany, and Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, Tobago. And interestingly enough, um, after Mass, of course, there's always the noon Angelus, and the Holy Father made an announcement. He, was, he said he's instituting a year of prayer to precede the 2025 Jubilee. Now, of course, that begins in December, Christmas Eve of this year, 2024. And he asked the people to pray for Christian unity and for peace throughout the world. He also called for the release of a group of people, including nuns, who have been kidnapped in Haiti. Now, explaining the reason for this um, year of prayer, the Pope said he urged the faithful to intensify prayer so as to prepare well for this big event. And, and of course, by that he meant the Jubilee. And he said, we also want to live well the Jubilee and to experience the power of God's hope. We also want to discover, said the Pope, the great value and absolute need for prayer prayer in our personal lives, in our church, and in the world. And then at the very end, the Pope said that the Dicastery for Evangelization, which is preparing the Great Jubilee uh, for 2025, is also preparing materials to help all of us with this year of prayer. So lots of interesting things from the Vatican over the weekend, but time's up here. It's brief. Back to you. Joan, thanks so much. It's always great to see your face and always good to hear a report there from Rome. So we've had a, a time today participating in prayer for the protection of unborn children, that they might be protected by law and welcomed into life. We're also supposed to be offering penance, reparation for the sin of abortion. And I want to close this since it's a day of prayer with a prayer. It's called the Face Prayer, and uh, it's, a, it's a good pro-life prayer. Heavenly Father, pray with me. I embrace your grace today so that I might not think of another, speak to another, or touch another without first looking for your face in the other. I ask all this through Jesus Christ. God incarnate, God with skin, God made poor, and God with a face. God bless you and all of your loved ones. Keep it on EWTN. Life, marriage, and the family will prevail. God bless you. Bye now.